Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside podcast. We had a great show today. We had Big Waz from ESPN's True Hoop podcast. He's a he's a great dude, and he was a, a good talker and an opinionated guy, just like Mike and I. So we had a, a great conversation about a topic right now that's been popping off in the NBA, and that's resting superstars. So we all had our, our hot takes. I think you'll all enjoy it. Uh, before you listen to this podcast, though, please, as always, go rate, review, Give us all those good uh, reviews that you've been sending. We love we love getting them. And we love getting the questions as well. You can send those questions to MikePreda at SBNation.com. You can also tweet at us. I mean, that's where we get most of our questions from. So that's at limited underscore upside. That's our podcast handle. But you can also find Mike as well. And that's at SBN. And you can hit me up at, at EpiBem. We get those questions. We usually ask them once uh, we get to the podcast. So. Sit back and enjoy uh, this this kind of, I don't know, rest-free podcast as we don't take days off here on the Limited Upside Podcast. Okay, we're back on the Limited Upside podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and Ben's over there, and we're here with a special guest, Big Waz, from the True Podcast. We've been secretly trying to get you on for a long time. I say secretly because we haven't talked about that much. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Big fan of the show. Obviously, I read you all the time, Mike. I appreciate um, it. I read you, and, I, and that's Twitter and, you know, your actual copy, so... I appreciate you know, I'm happy that. to be here. I appreciate <laughs> it. I listen to all the true podcasts. Uh, they're all very interesting. I was listening, even uh, the ones on Monday. I really enjoy it. Like, <laughs> I, I have to admit that like, I sometimes can't follow. Like, This is going to sound really embarrassing, but I can't always follow exactly what you're saying. Like, You guys yeah. are so – because I always put you on one and a half speed and you're so fast. But it, you know, it's always super entertaining. Yeah, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I would say. This is good. This is like a meeting of multiple minds that have maybe yes, not all yes, correspond yes. at the I, same time. And I tell people, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where eventually you'll get the references and, <laughs> you know, you'll get when I'm actually being sarcastic and not really, really <laughs> saying how I actually feel, although sometimes I am even in those moments. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, we try to keep it light and loose. Um, there's only so much, you know, uh, uh, put Steph Curry in the pick and roll that you can do on a week to week basis, you know. So, yeah, we try to have a little bit of fun with it. Nice. Well, we should get in some some topics here that we can have fun with because uh, they're pretty they're pretty topical at the moment. I should say, like the topics are topical, topics are topical. Yes. But this is the <laughs> topical topic, which is uh, resting your superstars. So we can get into like Steph Curry. He rested a couple weeks ago. And the common theme here is resting your best players when the uh, microscope is on your team the most, a.k.a. Saturday night primetime ESPN games, bringing into effect all of the beautiful parts of the NBA, which is the, the television contract, the superstars are trying to promote, the best teams are trying to promote, and, and, uh, and then the backlash of the, uh, of the coaches not playing them or the general manager is not playing them, whatever you would uh, assess the responsibility to. So, Waz, I want to get your opinion first. Is this a league issue or a team issue well it's got to be both right Mm. um once once you put your name on the dotted line for 24 billion bucks (laughs) and that's a billion with a b you know uh the you're in a partnership with the with the league you know uh you can't just come out and say well you can't tell me how to run my team well actually 
I kind of do. Like, you know, we kind of like uh, are in an agreement with one another. So I can understand where the league is coming from with this. But at the same time, you know, if, if you watch enough basketball, which I'm sure you guys do because you guys are um, super informed, 82 games is a lot. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a big burden to put on these guys. And when guys like Chuck come out and start complaining like, well, back in my days, everybody played as much. Well, dude, we you, there's actual footage of back when you played. They weren't playing as hard. No. They weren't playing as hard for as long a period of time as these dudes do. When you watch, like, our modern defenses and just offenses, like, you watch a guy like Klay Thompson, like, this guy's in constant motion the whole freaking game. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he needs to do that for 82 games. You know, I don't know that Steph Curry needs to run around 20 different screens, guard the best point guards in the world on a night-to-night basis, although sometimes he doesn't. But, yeah. <laughs> so that's neither here nor there. But I don't know that... You know that this that we need an eighty-two game game sample to prove which teams merit getting into the postseason and deserve their seeding and all of that kind of stuff. So I understand the bind that we're in, but I think the problem is that the conversation is being dictated by these couple of national TV games. But the, those games are what pay the bills at yeah. the end of the day. What was, bizarre, what was bizarre about like what Cleveland did in particular is that they could have totally done this rest the next day against the Lakers. Yeah. Although, I guess technically it was a national TV game. It was NBA TV. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, they could have done this the next day, but they chose to do it on the national TV game. And I, I feel like that is where the, the line was drawn. Your your guy, Amin, has a really good analogy for this, I think. It's like you're in a dorm room. You're all kind of eating pizza, and one person is like, you know, I, I really can't get it this time. You know, I'll Venmo you another time or something. But then what happens when there's two or three or four teams that are kind of now saying that? Yeah. You know, who pays for the pizza? It's sort of like the freeloader effect. Right. And, and again, you know, and he brought this up back when Pop first started doing it. He's like, yeah, you guys think this is so genius, but it, it only works if it's only the Spurs doing it. Once everybody else gets involved, like you said, it, it starts to have a cascading effect. And, you know, I, I think – a lot of times, especially with Steve Kerr, people feel like he's doing it to send a message, right? This is like a kind of shot to, to Adam Silver's office where it's like, all right, um, you guys are going to have us playing seven games in, in, in nine nights. We're going to rest our, our, our stars in the showcase games, you know? And, yeah. and I don't know how we kind of bridge the gap here if we're going to keep this 82-game schedule. And this is something that I've kind of – and um, our buddy Ethan Sherwood-Strauss as well yeah. has um, railed against too. He's like, these owners don't understand the concept of scarcity, mm-hmm. right? They think that if you bump it down to, say, 66 or 72 games, oh, we're going to lose that much m- more money. I'm on Twitter the other day, and I see a, I see a special for a Pacers game that you could get in for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, That's a playoff game for the Pacers, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying. But if there was less games, I don't think you would have as many games like that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I just want to touch on one point you just said about like the 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 schedule being so daunting. That that last eight games or eight of the last games for uh, for the Golden State, you know, that's that's eight games in eight cities in 13 days, two cross country flights, and 11,000 miles covered. 
that's something that needs to be addressed before oh, the season starts. Oh, but it's charter flights, though. It's charter. <laughs> it's yeah. easy. Yeah. This is easy. Yeah, but it's something about inflammation and and pressure pressurized of cabins course. and yeah, exactly, man. And like we don't have to, you know. I mean, let's be real. They're all robots that we just kind of put away, <laughs> well, and so they never get tired. But the point is, like, the NBA acknowledged this issue already. They, they had a meeting around the All Star game. They are next year changing this. So to get mad about what's happening this year when you, as the league, have already acknowledged the mistake seems stupid to me. Well. I don't know. I mean, the thing that I that I keep thinking about with this discussion mm. is why do we do this in basketball and why don't we do this in other sports? Why aren't we? We're. I don't think you're a soccer fan, was right? Um, I I, I try to stay as much up on the EPL and La Liga right, and right. as much as I can, but I'm not watching. I'm not up at nine o'clock every Saturday. No. Yeah. What <laughs> what kind of crazy person would do that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let alone watch a shitty team like me. Uh, that's that's right. okay. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't do this in soccer. We don't ever say like, "Oh, I'm a Barcelona fan. I don't." And Barcelona's rotating Messi and sending him out. Like, oh, how dare I pay a ticket to go see Messi? Like, how dare Barcelona do this? You know, we don't do this with baseball. We don't say, "Ugh, I paid a ticket and I wanted to see Mike Trout today, but they're resting him." Like, yeah, but people, baseball. I don't. I don't know if I like the cross sport reference here. Well, I, I don't think it's like a fair. Comp- what I'm asking yeah. is, why don't we do that in those sports, and why do we do that in basketball? Well, because basketball's well, five guys. Like that one guy might be the only reason you've bought a ticket. Like I'll. I went to the Sixers-Houston game earlier this year because I had to see Embiid live, and I wanted to see James Harden. That's why I picked that game. Like, you pick a game on the schedule because, let's be honest, like, incomes are, are uh, a li- uh, something that comes in and out, right? So you're not going to necessarily buying a, a massive ticket package for a team who's going to miss the playoffs. Why would you invest in that? But right. you pick an individual game. I think you're games. hitting on the central tension, yeah. though, which yeah. is the league is marketed as come see James Harden, right. come see right. Steph, come see LeBron. Whereas I think a lot of these other leagues are marketed as come see Barcelona, yeah, yeah. come see Manchester United, come see the Yankees. Right, right. But so, so yeah, was. And, and again, it, even with something like Barcelona, right, if you had a situation in the NBA that you have in, say, the, the, you know, the top league in, in Spain where literally every year it's Madrid, it's Atletico, it's mm. Barcelona, people would start crying. Like if you had – Say seven top flight people on, on th- like each like three uh-huh. teams that's seven seven top flight people. Oh, like right. the Warriors, <laughs> right? But I think you know th- that's part of it, and I think the the precedent has been set in the NBA where we expect evolution, we expect change, we expect progression. This is the league that added a freaking three point line, mm-hmm. got rid of illegal defense, got rid of hand checking. You know, added the um, eight-second backcourt rule. Like, they're always making these tweaks. So I think the fans and the media have been conditioned to expect the NBA to adapt whenever there's, you know, there's some kind of problem. I think that's part of it, too, because nobody would ever think to do this to football. Yeah. Where it's like, no, we're just going to have these rules. And, you know, we don't even need to speak about baseball. Like, that's just like, don't change a damn thing. <laughs> well, I think, I think you're hitting on something pretty important here, which is that, like, there's an expectation with Adam Silver now that he's going to make the best decision for the players, which he knows are the reason for the popularity of the league. Whereas, Which I look, don't know is, is necessarily earned, by the way. That, yeah, and that, that's another conversation. Like, for sure, I, I, I tend to agree with that, too. I think there's something, some emphasis that we as fans place in him as the new guy who could take over and lead this into the next you know, generation of the NBA. But with the NFL, it's the opposite, which is that they could literally put 11 guys or 10 guys, whatever, 11 guys against each other on each team, shit on the football field, and 
and 15 million people would watch the game because it's the NFL, it's one day a week, it's eight home games, whatever it is. Well, it's also the way the sport is played. Well, yeah, and the idea is that that's— And marketed. Sure, for sure. And it's a, you know, there's a whole a lot of reasons why the NFL is the biggest sport uh, in, in America. But right. the, the point being that like, that's the sport that probably needs to change the most given the amount of players who get injured, the shortness of the, uh, the brevity of the careers, the fact that the games, the field, and the rules haven't changed at all even though the evolution of the athletes that play it is enormous. Meanwhile, the NBA, like you said, has been evolving. And so when you see something like this where it's a pretty obvious issue and it's affecting the things that are your marketing points and and the faces of the NBA, I mean, you don't have to look much further than the last two weeks like we're talking about. It's the Cavs. It's the Warriors. It's six of the best players in the NBA, and they're not playing in the showcase games that, look, I, I work on the sales side at Vox Media here. The NBA is promoting them in their creative throughout the week to get people to tune oh, in yeah. to the you, players who aren't even playing. At, if you guys look at SBNation.com, you exactly. see promotions for the ABC game. That's right. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I still think this is a trickier nut to crack thing you all are, are making out to be because— where, where are we wrong, Mike? Well, I think the A2 games thing, like, I think in a perfect world that would all—that would not be the case. Um, maybe we're inching closer to a world where that may not be the case. I'm not sure it's here yet, um, but obviously that would be the ultimate solution. Is what, less games? Yeah, fewer games, spread it out more. Um, all of that, I think, would be the ultimate solution. And the scarcity argument, I think there's something to it, but I, I, I'm not 100% sold on it yet. The thing I think is a really tough nut to crack for the league here is that they're almost reaping what they sow in terms of for years and years and years – this is a league that I think correctly, and this is why I'm a fan, and this is why you're a fan. I imagine this is why Waz, you're a fan, has said we're about the players. We're going to market the personalities. You know, we're going to promote this stuff as Magic versus Bird, as Jordan, as yeah. uh, Iverson, as you know, all of that. And to do that, that what happens over time is that those are the that's the selling point. That's sort of the product that you're selling. Um, but when you reach the point where it's healthy for those players to play less and rest more and you see this, what ends up happening is that short of shorting the season, it benefits them to be rested. And But at the same time, you're telling those people, not only the people who are buying a ticket to that Clippers-Cavs game, but also the many people that are supposed to watch that you're supposed to watch this game because you're going to see LeBron versus Chris Paul. Um and that's why that's the whole point of you being there. It, it, and the trade off of that is that you're not there's not as much promotion of like the Cavaliers as a franchise institution, the Warriors as a franchise institution. The same way again, like in soccer, it's sort of like you're there to watch the club. And so they for years and years and years, this contradiction has not been a problem because the players have gutted it out stupidly because the game was played a different way because we didn't have all this research because frankly there was less money on the line you know now the league used to be kind of that startup mm -hmm. we all got to rally around each other mentality now there's everybody's making too much money for that yeah and so now i think there is this central kind of tension between we're trying to market the stars but we also have to get to keep the stars healthy um and that's a tough thing i think to balance when Assuming that you do have 82 games, that you still are kind of trying to get people to pay attention to these long regular season games by kind of putting the stars in showcase matchups. Yeah. I mean, Waz, let me ask you this. So yeah. currently the fix that they've uh, started to put in place is going to be eliminating some preseason games, adding one more week to the regular season. That's what we know is yeah. going to go into effect next season. What else would you like to see 
If it's shortening the season, if it's making it so there are you know one back-to-back per team for the entire year, whatever it may be, what do you actually think can be realistically implemented to fix this? Yeah, I think I think the expanding the expansion of the actual time that the NBA regular season is played, like one week, I think that's a baby fix. I think you could do it a month. Yeah. Straight up, like there's a whole dead period in August, you know, September where nobody's doing anything. And um, and, and there's a lot of dead pockets within the summer as far as MLB. There's a lot of you can figure it out to, to where you can get your the NBA product to be the only thing that's watched. I think they could stretch out the season a little bit more if they're going to insist on um, not not uh, cutting down these games. And. Honestly, I, I I just I don't know. I th- I just think people need to get used to the fact that players aren't going to play all the time on TV. Yeah, you know, and I I I also don't like the thing they do where they don't want to put big games in the early season because the NFL is happening. I don't like that they're doing that, and that's how you end up backstopping all of these Warriors games, and they ended up with all of these because they had these national TV obligations yeah. their schedule ended up getting clunky. So I don't think you need to do this whole oh we're not going to compete with football um maybe you know uh to bring up Ethan again he's talking about like uniformity of the schedule, right? It's like nobody even knows when an NBA game is on. Yeah. Like with football it's Monday and Sunday. And now Thursday like we know when we're going to get NFL football. Right. Nobody even knows what these NBA days are, you know, maybe making the schedule a little bit more uniform. Who knows, man? There's a lot of stuff. But outside of actually, again, going in, shortening the game, whether it be 72, 66, honestly, I was good with 50 <laughs> during mm-hmm. the lockout year. That worked out pretty well for your team, though. <laughs> I, I was, well, you know, I, and, and, and you know what? That's actually think. factually correct because I was actually rooting for the Knicks back People no. get this messed up. Like back, back then, you don't anymore. <laughs> no, of course not. Well, it's not that I don't. <laughs> Mike told me you were a Knicks fan. I'm just trying to throw that out there. Yeah, I don't no, know. No, it's not that I root. It's like it's not that I root against them, but it's not one of those things where, like, you know, say the Mets, who I actually root for, like they mm-hmm. lost the World Series, and like it was actually grief for me. When the Knicks mm. lose, it's just I don't know. It's like Tuesday. It's just turn, turn the page. Yeah, that's there's true. No, there's no actual. You know, but my friends and my family, like my mom and my stepdad, you know, they're calling me after JR and Shump win a championship and stuff. Like, they're actually invested in the team. So I want to see the people around me happy. Mm -hmm. But when they lose, I'm in no way, shape, or form affected by it, which I think is what makes you a fan. You weren't staying up till like one last night to see him lose to the Clippers. Oh, no, 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 no. Who would ever do something like that with a basketball team? (laughs) (laughs) How would anyone ever do that? Mike went to bed immediately after the Wizards game last night. I wish I could say that was the case. (laughs) I was was mad for a while. (laughs) Just stewing in bed. Wait, Mike, you're a Knicks fan? No, Wizards fan. Oh, Wizards fan. Okay. Yeah, last yeah. night was not so good for the Wizards. Uh, not a good, not a good performance. My team Boston. lost two guys, and I'm super excited about that and, from last night. The Sixers it was a very big loss, very important uh, no, process no. loss. Can we not talk about the Sixers on this show every damn yeah. day? Uh, process. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. What I like that the idea of like the showcase days of NBA. Yeah, I like that too. So I think I like it, but I also think that one of the appeals I, I find with casual basketball fans is that there's almost like too much for you to pay attention to at once so you can kind of you don't feel so much pressure to have to watch everything so i also think this is sort of behind their sort of distribution plan. one of the reasons i think the league is so open about letting you share vines and gifts or whatever um 
on Twitter and all these social medias that they know that you some people just consume the NBA in these bite-sized packages. Yeah. You have to do it that way. You know, well, it's a highlight-driven league. I mean, that, that's right. The but if you make it, it so that it's appointment viewing, I think maybe you there's something that maybe gets taken away there. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't know. There's two parts to that, right? Which is that there's monopolizing a day, which the NFL did. We're now like Sunday. In America, which, I mean, like, we're a couple of Jewish guys here. We never associated that with going to church. But right. Sunday in America is is football. Yeah. Like, straight up, they have branded one of the seven days of the week. That's something no other sport's going to be able to replicate. But saying, like, I know come Saturday night I'm going to see the two best or the best matchup of any given week, sort of like everything else leading up to this highly marketable matchup, uh, that's not a terrible play, but so, uh, so wait, you're saying that if they would, if the NFL would have made it Saturday, that you guys might not have caught on? <laughs> no, 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 no. They could have. Oh yeah, because I don't watch TV on Saturday. I turn yeah. all the lights off. No electricity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. We'd walk to the stadium. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like they could have picked like yeah, no, if, of course. If of they course. made it Wednesday evenings, they would have owned Wednesday evenings. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. That's, that's the point. And in fact, that's one of the problems the NFL is running into is that they're sort of eroding that football day yeah. by spreading their s- right. schedule out too much. That's an interesting parallel because the yeah, NBA is doing that too. Greedy. They're getting too greedy, the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've learned that the hard way. On and like the yeah. NBA now is national TV six days a week. Yeah. So maybe the NBA is lo- taking the wrong lesson there. Well, my question to, for you guys, though, is like, as people who follow the sport, work in the sport, and, and are also obviously fans of it, to go back to what Mike was saying, would you prefer to have you know games spread out throughout the week so you could you know stumble upon a Rockets-Denver game like last night? Or do you want to be told, like, this is the game the NBA wants you to watch, this is the league or the game that we want to showcase for like the sport, and therefore it's the only option on whatever Saturday night? Like, Yeah, you know, I, I, think I think I'm the wrong I person to ask. Person, I think for mm-hmm. a casual fan, it'd definitely be better to have um, a special day. Mm-hmm. Because for me, like, the the entire point of a League Pass investment is, like, there's something for me to watch yeah. every single day. Yeah. Like, I might not need it every day, but it's there when I need it, which I think, you know, as for, for a junkie, it's like, you know. <laughs> Scratching my neck right sad. now. I need it. Give, give me <laughs> you know, an NBA. Like, yeah. So that makes sense. But for somebody who's like, listen, I'm not making a $250 investment in League Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, when can I get this on ESPN or TNT? Oh, every single Wednesday? Oh, every single Saturday night? All right, cool. I'll be there if need be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's for the league and their partners to figure out uh, how best to draw these eyeballs. Um, the, the, the part about resting, like, that to me is not even, like, there's science behind this stuff now. Yeah. You know, like, this stuff is irrefutable. Um, the, so there's there's nothing they can do about what coaches are going to do, and especially since we're doing this, and and this is another big problem of mine, this whole thing about rings, championships. <laughs> mm. Your team's a failure. You didn't win a championship. Uh, the Hawks of, you know, yesteryear, they were a joke, a failure. All they did was get to the second round and play competently for eight, nine years. They, they're <laughs> trash. Like, if, you're, if, you ha- if you have your biggest media people – the biggest uh, spokespeople for the league coming out and saying nothing matters but championships. You can't come out and get mad at guys for basically saying that all the other stuff around these championships mean absolutely nothing. And it's a great and point. And that's yep. part of the problem, too. Because people just, you know, Charlotte won 50, 45 games last year. They were nowhere near a championship. Nothing in their immediate future would suggest that 
championship was even in the realm of possibility. But to me, if you're a Charlotte fan, last year was great. And even in, coming into this season with some kind of hope, they're like, yo, we've got good players. We're going to give it a good fight. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But now, if you're not a championship team, you're basically useless. You know, I, I think I think casual fans can learn to like to watch Marvin Williams and yeah. Mika Batum. <laughs> Like I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see why people couldn't learn to love. I mean, Kemba Walker's an all star now, mm-hmm. but I think people could learn to love watching these other players if they weren't fed this narrative that their team is useless because they're not one of the top tier teams. I think it's a great point. Yeah. Uh, I found I find that um, this Warrior season is so much less enjoyable because they've taken a well. We pushed too hard last year. Now we have to scale back and pick our spots and all that matters is winning it all. Um, last year, the chase for 73 was so exhilarating and I, it would, it sucks that they learned the wrong lesson from that or they took the wrong thing. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, if you say that maybe there's some sort of value and maybe, you know how soccer has, I hate to bring soccer back up. You know how they have the, the supporter shield and the MLS cup. So there's like a regular season title. You know, just some sort of way to honor like what you do in the regular season. Because yeah, right now we are sort of going to this path where the eighty-two games of the regular season are basically meaningless. I mean, they're important for the team, the one or two teams at the top who's looking to have home advantage in the conference final. Yeah, but even those teams are not playing their best players. I think that's sort of the point that yeah. Waz is making. But that. like, that's where I'm a little. That's where I kind of strategically disagree with some of these moves but I mean obviously they are looking down the line at like an eight game sample size and figuring out if we need to win six of these which two can we sacrifice for rest etc but like I think it would mean a lot for San Antonio to have home advantage over Golden State they are not resting guys though they had injuries real (laughs) ones and like real health scares that were the reason why for no Kawhi and no Aldridge but like Golden State basically saying as long as we have that lead if it's a game or if it's two and a half games or whatever like as long as we are the number one seed that is all that matters if it's by a game or if it's by 20 like last year or whatever uh, or 10 or whatever it ended up being um, it doesn't matter the point is like have to have that game and it mattered last year for Golden State at least in the Western Conference Finals like that game seven in Golden State was extremely important against Oklahoma City and I think that'd be equally as important against you know San Antonio or Houston who's a very different team at home in the road so then why'd they rest their players though? yeah I mean that's that's the, that's the strategic <laughs> isn't part that, that kind of isn't, that kind of, isn't yeah. that kind of the point well I think well, part, to me yeah. Golden State is they've made the calculation that our margin for error is long is mm-hmm. bigger this year Meaning uh, uh, the home court advantage, that's within the margin of us still ultimately winning the championship, right? I think if if they didn't bring back KD, I think they would be chasing that home court advantage. I think they would be chasing every single, you know, every single advantage that they could get. You know, I think they would be pursuing that. But now... Um, you know, and even with the diminished Kevin Durant, I think their margin is for error is still larger than it was last season. And I think they've made that calculation. You know, even if KD comes back, say 70 percent, um, they still feel good about their chances, um, home court or not, of winning the championship. But what I wanted to say about um, these games not mattering and I hate to get all romantic and all of that. But like, <laughs> Go for it. But it's it's like. The reason why these games matter is because the best players in what is ostensibly, in my opinion, the best sport are participating in them. That's part of why I was offended by the process, right? (laughs) It's not the idea that you would try to get great 
draft picks. It's the idea that you would so nakedly do it as to degrade the product so much that you're bringing in scabs. Hmm. That's offensive. So if you actually love the sport of basketball, so you know, yeah, I mean, look, I, it's hard to disagree with that because the the proof is in the pudding of the last couple of years of like ten and eleven wins. Like that's that's terrible, but. There is something to be said for like using that time when you're not trying to win. Because to go back to what you were talking about, about there are successes, and this is sort of the juxtaposition, right? Is it successful to do what Charlotte did last year, understanding that they are not going to compete with Cleveland, Boston, you know, Washington, Toronto, et cetera, ever with this core? I mean, they're just not going to be in oh, the top. Except, except for last year. Except for yeah, last year, I know yeah, what I'm saying. saying. But like, they're not going to win the Eastern Conference as long as LeBron James is alive. And that being said, like, is it not better then to try to find that one or two guys, the, I don't know, like Covingtons of the world who could be a second-team all-NBA defensive player and was really just a D-League piece of crap that Hanky picked off the street and was like, let's see what this guy can do. He has some things we like. But I, I do know what you're saying. Like, But that's it, sort of the incentive problem that, that yeah. I was talking about. Well, it's to like me, To me, it's, it depends on where, you, where you're standing, yeah. okay? Um, if you've got quote unquote Lakers exceptionalism, <laughs> you might look at what what Memphis has done for the last six years and say, "Oh, that's bullshit. I don't want to be a part of that." Right. But if you're standing from say where the Knicks live, <laughs> and you've been watching that for 17 seasons, you think Knicks fans wouldn't sign up yeah. for what Memphis had the last six years every day of the week? Of course they would. That's true. You know, um, I think it just. D- d- depends on on how you're looking at these things, and you know, again, and not to dwell on the process, but it's <laughs> like this is the right of, podcast for that. Go ahead. Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times, we're talking about these assets and these draft picks. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, your best case scenario is Otto Porter, it is Brad Beal, it is Kyrie Irving. It's not KD and LeBron, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's not who you're drafting. These people aren't going to take you to the promised land for 15 years. Yep. You know, so a lot of times you're nakedly doing this stuff, degrading the, the product. And again, I don't want to get all Virgin Mary about the game of basketball, but a lot of times you're doing this and it's like, to what end? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing here? If we're just in agreement that, yo, watching these guys hoop is amazing. But, you know, I'm the type of person I don't need stakes. It doesn't need to be yeah. uh, for the championship for me to enjoy, you know, 48 minutes. Oh, right. I couldn't agree more. And that that is sort of the inverse of the process. It's like we, as a Sixers fan, I love watching. Like that Celtics-Sixers game on Sunday was my favorite game of the Sixers season. And B didn't play. Simmons hasn't played this year. Okafor left at halftime. Isaiah Nur- Thomas didn't play. Nur- Isaiah Thomas didn't play, and Nerlens Noel plays for a different team. Like that whole the the core <laughs> of what we would describe as the process wasn't even on dis- in display or on display. But meanwhile, Rashawn Holmes, an offshoot of the process, second round pick, small school in Bowling Green, like is tremendous or played tremendous in that game. T.J. McConnell played great. Um, you got to see kind of like good basketball being played. To speak to your point, like good basketball can be played by a lot of guys in this league, yeah. and then you look at a team like. Like Denver, who we in our preseason Denver podcast with uh, with Adam uh, Morris, like we talked about how they had too many good players and how they wouldn't be able to make that work. And then you look at them now, and it's like, wow, yeah, all, all of those guys, making it work. they're making it work pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they're I mean, not they're, a great not, team, but I, I but think, that is it's fun to watch yeah, all these guys play. I think you guys are hitting at the central tension of going back to the wrestling thing that the <laughs> league is set, setting on, which is, do you are you in this because you really like a team and you kind of love to watch their rise and fall, and you know. There's something about look. All you really care about is like is is this 
is this being done the best interest of my team? Right. Or are you looking at this like, well, the league has marketed this as like what Waz has said, this is where the best of the best clash. Yeah. And they're in conflict with each other a lot. Yeah. You know, and that's like David Griffin said when he made his decision, like the people who are criticizing him, like he said, well, they're not paid to win a championship. I right. mean, that that right there is the central it's the conflict. Answer. It's the answer right of, there. Like, that's that's the central conflict of what the league is going through now. Is that for? Well, I'm fine with David Griffin saying that as he GMs the Cavaliers and LeBron James, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. For you know, um, my hero John Hollinger to come out and say that, I'm like, nah. <laughs> right, <laughs> like it's it's just like it it doesn't resonate with me. Like it's fine for you to say that, but not everybody is going to be in the position to be that. Yeah. You know, a lot of yeah. times you're in the position as say Rich Cho of trying to get my team from forty five to maybe fifty two. Yeah, you know, and maybe something miraculous happening and we get swept in the finals anyway. You yeah. know, but I, I, not everybody's in the position to sit. Like David Griffin, he's in a very special position. Yep. You know, um, yeah, you have to think like that. If you're Pat Riley and you're co- and you're GMing LeBron, D Wade, and, and Chris Bosh, yeah, you have to think like that. If you're GMing D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson, yeah, um, pump your brakes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Put a put a decent product on the floor first. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that this this that sort of thinking is so pervasive among so many of the people and it and it'd be fine if it was just, you know, the people in these front offices and management position. That'd be fine. But then I gotta go on the internet and you know, people hit me up about second round picks for uh Stauskis. I'm like all right, man. Everybody thinks they're freaking GM. Yeah, the, yeah. King, the Kings wish it was just second round picks for Stauskas. Uh, you know <laughs> yeah, but I mean, those are the fans that all they really care about yeah. is if is this good for my team? Yeah, but and well, there's a whole group I of fans. I don't know if I want those fans, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree. Like I yeah. I've kind of learned this year that like okay, I'm enjoying this Wizards season even if I don't think they're going to win the championship. Yeah, and if, even if they're only going to win like four or five more games than they did at their heyday uh, or whatever yeah, uh, but that's sort of i think it's essential when as you think about how the league is marketed like most sports leagues are marketed as we want work marketing the clubs and the nba you said almost two sets of fans you have the fans of the team and who all they care about is like is this good for my team yep. and then you have the fans of the league and the league tailors so much of their marketing i think correctly to those fans and like they come in conflict when you talk about resting. Yeah. You know? I don't know, man. It's hard for me to talk to my Knicks friends after a measly win against Detroit and they're like beaming <laughs> for me to sit here and act like, oh, it doesn't mean anything if you don't win a championship. Like yeah. when you actually talk to fans, you're around fans, like even say that Cleveland game that the Wizards lost, that was a classic. Oh, One of so the much best, fun. The best regular season games this year. Yeah, you lost, and ultimately Cleveland might end up in the finals, but how can you put a price on that? the feeling of watching that game? Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I'm totally with you on this. And like that, that, that's like a win, though. I mean, as a Wizards fan, you left that game. I remember talking to you like that night or during it, Mike, and you were like, you were as happy as if they had won the game because it showed you something about your team. And if the idea is, again, to get to your long, the long view in the room here was, is like Griffin has that advantage of being able to look down a two-month window 
in late March. And a lot of these GMs right. don't, right? And so yeah. you know, Buford has the same thing. Bob Myers has the same thing. So they can think about how do I best suit my team for late April when most of these teams aren't going to be doing shit in late April. Yeah, Sure. And, and these fantasy GM fans are going to tell me that <laughs> right. my, my actual happiness, the exhilaration I felt from Wizards-Cavs was empty. Yeah. But them praying on lottery balls isn't right. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and if if it wasn't so much of like uh, this guy, this superstar hasn't won a championship, you know, oh, he's God. a bum, then I we wouldn't that, have as I much of this. I, I but I think I think, I think it ties in. Like has been to the conference finals. I'm like, dude, like, do you really think Chris Paul isn't? the type of player capable of being on a team that could get to the third round of the play. Like, yeah. do you really think that? No, I like, mean, that's you know, exactly and, it. And to me, it's, it's like, I would, I used to, cause I'm, you know, I was a huge LeBron fan coming up. I still am. I still love the guy. I love to see him do well, all of that stuff. Same. But it's like in 2010, like I talked to people, I'm like, you really think this guy's just not good enough to play on a team that can win the championship? Like, do you, like, you really think that? You, like, you watch this guy play and absolutely kill people, and you really think he's just not capable of being on a team that wins championships? Yeah. Also, something fundamentally changed about him because he won, you know, the answer and is now never. he can't lose championships. <laughs> yeah, well, this, <laughs> is a vicious, this is a vicious cycle, though, because the players, because they feel so much pressure to win, they, te- they start they to team up, to. and then the team's, there's something that's not really respected about like if you're the one star that's leading your team to 45 wins that it's so dis that it's there's so much pressure on the star that he hasn't reached a level and so then they start to team up and then that just creates this culture that you've been talking about that's all championship robust it's all it's all virtue a vicious cycle i would say but even that um doesn't bother me as bother me as much again it's like if you're watching the greatest you know barcelona team ever just mow through the entire freaking spanish league um that's still exhilarating to me <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and that, you know basketball played at the absolute peak highest like if golden state came out and won 82 games this season i would freaking love it i'm sorry like this like there's no way for me for you to spin this basketball stuff to me where i'm gonna be like oh i'm getting no enjoyment out of seeing a team play absolute perfect basketball i don't, I don't know it's just yeah people just want to find something to complain about that's exactly right. that's probably what and it like, is you yeah. know, think about the general sports mentality like the, the the sportscape if you will people root for greatness implicitly they don't it's not something where people are like yes. i don't know i guess i don't want tiger to win this time or i don't want federer to win or like no. i didn't want jordan like every neutral fan in the world was rooting for michael jordan to win his six titles when he was going for it because everyone was rooting for greatness that's what we do intrinsically as fans. So you're right. I was talking I to somebody who covers tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, look, man, I don't even bother with the men so much anymore. And, I, you know, I love Joker. I love Federer. I love Nadal. Mm-hmm. But really, I'm just interested in what Serena's doing. And it's like, it's going to be really right. sad when she goes. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, Serena's going to leave. So it's going to be parody again. Exactly. Like, mm. No, dude. <laughs> we <laughs> want that monster. We want that beast. It's a great point. And, and you look no further. Dude, I played tennis in, in college. That's that's a sport that was my my uh, my launching pad to uh, actually why I'm here at Vox Media. Long story there. Launching but pad to podcast, to podcast host of uh, yeah. podcast. From uh, <laughs> serving and volleying to serving up hot takes. Here we are. <laughs> but, but the point is like, a Federer Nadal final in the Australian Open is the reason we want to see the Cavs and Warriors play again. Exactly. You know, and you don't have to look much further for parallels as to we want to see the best of the best playing each other, and we root for greatness as a society. This is just what we do for sports. Um, 
that's where I see this whole thing coming to a head, which is like, if, and to come back to our initial topic here, if this rest right now promotes a better chance of another seven game NBA finals between the Cavs and Warriors, I'm for it. Sign me up. Yeah, it's probably better for the long term product as well. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's definitely an interesting topic. I'm totally with you all on, like, that's what we all really mm-hmm. want. Um, it's just you would still do have to market to the fans in Memphis that, like, don't give a crap about anyone but Memphis. That's why it's in most sports. How come you always use Memphis as that, like, regional team that loves their fan base so much or their team so much? It's because of Memphis. Well, Memphis is kind of the best <laughs> example of this, though, right? Like, yeah. They- they didn't sure. they didn't do the whole I'm gonna tank my life away to get quote unquote superstars. They kinda lucked out True. with Marcus Saul. Um Mike Conley ended up reaching his full potential. Zebo got his act together. Like they kinda did it in in a really organic type of way. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I like a team like Utah too. Yeah. Like, I know you, you love know, Utah. <laughs> yeah, so do Utah's, you, Mike. It's perfect. I do. <laughs> Utah's Utah's my favorite team in the in the league right now. And and again, part of it is that they didn't have to do a damn process situation to get where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't bastardize my my game. <laughs> two, they just got a bunch of really good players, right? Like they're not gonna throw out any Joel Anthony's out there. Mm-hmm. It's all a bunch of good players, but you know, they're gonna be ultimately faced with the question of um, are we gonna bring back uh, George Hill for a lot of money just so we could be a 53 win team and I'm like hell yeah you bring him back yeah sure it's just money yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you know like yeah lock yourself into 53 54 wins a season why not yeah what's so bad about that you got a great product your fans are gonna love the team I'm gonna love watching you on league pass but people are like whoa does bringing back George Hill make you a elite contender and right. I'm like, what are we even doing here? Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and if there was, again, if there was more, like, respect for that, I think teams like Utah would do that yeah. more. Or maybe they will anyway, but, like, they'd it's, be more – they'd jump more into that if there was less of a – if there was a more of a realistic acknowledgement that, like, it's Utah's probably not going to win the title, but, like, they've accomplished a hell of a lot. Yeah. You know, I feel like the Mavericks are, like, the archetype for this, right? They had over 50 wins for well over Love a decade. the Mavericks. You Love- know? Yeah, and excellence. Like, There's nothing wrong with sustained yeah. excellence and, and, and competence. And, and now Mavs fans love that they had Dirk all these years, yep. and they, he's right. beloved. And there's sort of a light touch to it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, the Jazz yeah. were the initial. The, the Jazz were the Mavs before the Mavs right. with their stability. Exactly. You know, and you know, it's sad that the incentive structure in the league is such that you know incompetence is rewarded, and people are going to try to game the system. But like, I don't see how you can thumb your nose at what the Mavs done and say. Oh, they won 50 games for almost 20 years, and they got one championship out of it. Right. Oh, tisk tisk! Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Sustained excellence—that's an achievement. That's an accomplishment. Is something that we should laud. That we should, hmm. you know, applaud. Yeah, that's an interesting part. That's an interesting. It's a very interesting <laughs> point because, as someone who grew up as the biggest Donovan McNabb fan, who is destroyed by the media and given no credit for the amazing career he had because he didn't win. A Super Bowl in the face of a division where he's had, you know, I don't want to get on. into this all, but like six NFC championships exactly. in a row. Exactly, yeah. the Eagles were like the Mavs of the NFL for the decade of the you know 2000s, but that team really, for more more or less, has been and again, you know, cast and away. Again, 
you ask and <laughs> and you ask a Jacksonville Jaguars fan is like, <laughs> right? Would you like? What would you do to like? Would you sign up to just go to six straight NFC championships, one Super Bowl appearance where you lost in a heartbreaking fashion, yeah. instead of like, hmm, maybe we could get a Super Bowl by some luck of the draw? It's like, no, right. sign me up for consistently good stuff. I was actually just reading the rundown that Mike sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you a rundown? That's well, a formal. It was, a rundown. It was just you know, a couple of topics. But um, <laughs> I do want to ask you guys about the Warriors. Sure. Because I'm actually panic mode. I, I'm not seeing it for them. Well, I'm not seeing it for them. Yeah, I've thought about this a little bit. Come back great, and I don't know why we're doing that. Well, I agree with that. I definitely think that there's this assumption that like Durant's just going to pick up and left off, and I'm like thinking, did we not just do this last year? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it's exact. It's probably worse because his injury is worse. You know, I, I don't know why people think that. Um, I don't know. I, I, the Spurs don't really scare me God, in a playoff. Spurs don't do anything for me. I think Houston is sort of like a very fun, like kind of underdog. But you know, if they're I don't really see it for them either as far as like a top team. Cleveland's starting to round a form that's scary. I think what I think is fascinating about the Warriors is, one, like those guys have been together for so long, and you can see that there's some some cracks in the personalities and how will that affect and all that. I think the other is that we sort of scoffed our nose at this idea. I don't know how you'd scoff your nose. At those Keep weird, going with this. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm just, just, let's just roll with it. Um, <laughs> we've sort of scoffed at this Thumbed our nose is what there I was looking is. for. <laughs> we thumbed our nose at this idea of like, well, they're a jump shooting team and jump shooting teams can't win championships. And I, I agree. But I also think that they are a team where if they do go cold, they are such a rhythm team, you know. Yeah. So I think we saw in the Cavs series that you can sort of disrupt the rhythm and sort of change the game into something totally different in a way that I don't think you could do with previous generations top teams. Right. And so I, I, you've talked about this a lot. I, I think I want to talk about this a little bit more was this idea that they have the beautiful game and they play like kind of this, all these screens and we're not a team that runs a lot of pick and rolls uh, and all of that. And that's it's like in the regular season. Yeah. It's all really nice and good, but I, I, I do agree that like there aren't great teams that are kind of set up that way in the past. They just sort of have that, that dominant force and golden state. This is, while we love what they do and while this has sort of fueled them and like I don't think we should dismiss the fact that they they do it is hard to do that stuff in a playoff setting and does that what does that say about how they've sort of branded their team and how they've built their team? And that that I think is a legitimate concern no matter who they play. We've seen it in the last two playoffs. It doesn't matter how good the yeah. other teams are. There's and a per- the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. yeah, like you just said, the last two playoffs, they they haven't blown the doors off of anybody. Yeah. No, they basically should have lost to the Thunder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they actually lost to the Cavs under some, you know, weird circumstances. <laughs> but even, you know, if we want to take it back to 2015, they got a Cavs team that was, frankly, was hurt. Yeah. They were hurt. They weren't at full force. Like, they, oh, they, they got down 2-1 to Memphis. Like, it hasn't been this just waltz. Like, in the playoffs, when teams are scouting you, they can scout these screens. They can scout switching. The communication is there. 
guys are all of a sudden more engaged and you're seeing different opponents, you're getting different looks and they've been doing it for two years now, yeah. two plus years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was going to so say, wait, like, even the longer. Familiarity there. The build-up, you know? you know, the build-up into becoming the championship team. There were two straight years of having tough playoff outs before that. I'm uh, not convinced that they're going to be great without KD in the playoffs. Hmm. I think, and I'm one I of think the I last people you. that thinks the Clippers could, could beat them. <laughs> I don't know about I, the Clippers. Maybe. I really do. I think because that last I, I, season, um, even those games that they lost, it was all crushing. It was mostly crushing losses. Then the last couple got just out of hand. But they were neck and neck with these guys. They were playing very well. And then, you know, I guess it just kind of got into their heads. And Golden State, Golden State has figured out, like, look, man, we're in these guys' heads. But... Again, and, and I hate how this sounds because there's no way to prove this empirically, but in the playoffs, like, when you brick two shots in a row and you can actually go home now, like, the pressure then becomes equal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those shots that you missed, it's like you're going to think about it that third time. Yeah. You know, and I think that levels it in, in a way that it doesn't in the regular season where, where Golden State can sit back and say, look, man, I missed these three shots. We lose to the Clippers for the first time in 50 games. Big whoop. In the playoffs, it's not going to be like that. And I think, you know, I, I just really think the Clippers can give them a good run. Don't ask me why. I just do. Uh, well, I, I think it would be a lot more competitive. Of course. I, I definitely think it would be a lot more competitive. I don't think they beat them, but I agree that, it, like, the Clippers have, or the Warriors have owned them this year. That's not going to happen in the playoffs. I want to throw a theory at you guys. I'm going to call it the Doug Collins theory. So let mm. me go with this for a second. Um, I love. Is this Sixers related? No, it's oh, not. God, it probably it's okay. not. It's not. It's, it's not. But the only, the only, <laughs> it's, it, it could have been. The only common thread here is that you know Doug Collins um, was is always a good coach for one to two years, and then by the end of his third, fourth season with the team, usually third season or fourth season, I'm sorry, the fatigue factor of how much, how passionate, how in your face, how much he puts into the game, into each person, emotionally, as well as the you know the analytical components of coaching. It wears on his team. It wears on the people around him. And eventually, he leaves. He was in Chicago from 86 to 89. Pistons, 95 to 98. Washington, 2001 to 2003. Sixers, 2002. Washington, 2001 to 2003. No, Sixers, 2010 to 2013. The point is there's a a rhythm and abrasiveness to how much he cares and how much he puts in. So I want to make that the parallel here being is, is Draymond kind of falling in the Doug Collins? theory here where it's great to have him he, he knows he's an extremely good player an extremely valuable player but there's a, an amount of emotion and an amount of uh, a mental fatigue that maybe maybe gets put on his his teammates um, that they can't necessarily bear the same way that that he does that he's you know great at wearing emotion at all times but that might not necessarily be clay or steph even is that something that you see any parallels here between like look they've been playing so much basketball together they've been getting to this echelon, this point of excellence that they did get to, and now that's sort of like a why aren't we there and and how and then Draymond kind of brings them to like a we need to get there standpoint, kind of always pushing them towards where they need to be, and that might be wearing on his teammates. I think if if you read, you know, and I'm, this is like the tenth time I've brought Ethan up, but like <laughs> yeah. it's hard for me to talk about the Warriors without talking about Ethan. Sure. Like, you know, if you if you read his piece and if you think he has is any good at his freaking job, he's there every day. Um Draymond is a grading person. He's yeah. very abrasive. He's very on you. Like people get tired of him. 
There are guys that, you know, their way of dealing with him is just completely ignoring him. There are <laughs> other guys where they engage him sometimes and they get into it with him. And, you know, you add in a guy like KD, especially, uh, and, you know, the story is, oh, these guys are brothers and these guys are this and this and that. I'm like, how could they have possibly built up that equity? Yeah. And yeah. Without also, it doesn't change anything. Like, you can be brothers off the court, yeah. but, right. you know, this is about how That's right. you do a job. How you're going to respond, yes, in those moments when Draymond is yelling at you for setting a bad screen, <laughs> right? Like, um, I don't, I don't know how that dynamic kind of fits, but, you know, all indications of that, it's not just Draymond and some of the players, it's... Draymond and Steve Kerr. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Draymond and Steve Kerr just haven't been simpatico from the beginning. I think there's a little bit of like, you know, you never believed in me <laughs> type yeah. of situation going on. And this is, again, this is just me kind of just couch prognosticator. Don't don't go running with this on the blogs. No, that's what we do I here. no actual information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this yeah. is some insider stuff. But, um... Yeah, I, you know, the chemistry stuff is something that I, I don't think we pay enough attention to as far as chemistry, continuity, just like institutional knowledge and know-how. I don't know. I don't feel like a lot of that stuff gets short shrift. But uh, I just think in a playoff series, man, you know, as a LeBron fan watching what happened against Dallas, which I think could completely just be chalked up to just no continuity – and also, Dallas doesn't get enough credit for how absolutely freaking amazing they were. Yeah. yeah. From basically like the second half of game three on. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they're going to respond to that kind of stuff. And, so. It's a real problem. And, um, and we don't even talk about this, but Steph has a free agency coming up. Well, so you does know. KD. <laughs> so does KD, and, and, there's this, and there's been this assumption that Steph's going to – he's going to take $200 million. One, there's an assumption that he's going to be offered $200 million. I don't know why we're assuming that. Two, well, they would offer him $200 million, wouldn't they? Uh, uh, I mean, nothing uh, is ever – nothing is ever. When the owner goes on freaking in the New York Times and says that he's the reason you're winning championships yeah. and that the organization is light years ahead, um, I think there's a chance that he might think, eh, Steph Curry, Smith Curry. I mean, look. It's not, not it's not there it. until it's there, like you said. Right. You, you know? know. And people don't understand uh Steph Curry as a guy, too. Like this idea that he's just gonna do the money thing. I think he wants to also be appreciated. He wants to also feel like, you know, these people are respecting him in such a way. It's the under armor theory there, right? That's yeah, why he went there. Of course. It's yeah. a lot he's not gonna be just moved by a dollar figure. Right. Yeah. There's so a there's pull, a lot on the lines. He's not going to pull the boogie cousins where all of a sudden he's saying great things about his organization because there might be $200 million. <laughs> yeah. He's, got, he's actually got integrity about this sort of thing. Yeah. I, so when you think about all of those different factors, you never know what can happen. Yeah. I, last point I want to make is like, I think it's no coincidence that Kevin Durant uh, wasn't respected enough by Oklahoma City. Story got out. I feel like that conspiracy theory was that they were trying to show KD that they were behind him. And that's the only reason that thing got out. Look, and, I, and I've and I've said and I've said what I had to say about that. Uh, people tried to come out and call the Warriors crybabies, and oh, they got mad that the OKC Thunder weren't deferential enough to KD. I'm gonna just say this. Let's just say 
there was a scenario where somebody did as much for the Thunder, <laughs> the city, the freaking Hospitals. The organization, <laughs> right? As yeah. much as KD did for them, as some, and then somebody did that much for KD, and he behaved in the manner that they did towards him, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. We'd be killing him. Yeah. We would be killing him. Mm. But for whatever reason, you know, when it's owners and GM, no, act petty. Be ridiculous. Just don't acknowledge reality that this guy added an incredible amount of value to your organization, to your city. Yeah. Okay? And and again, if we're being real because of the salary structure in the NBA, he was underpaid there. Okay? For the value that he was able to generate. So for them to act like, oh, you might as well be uh, Royal Ivy or Tabo Cephalosha. <laughs> we, we don't do that for when we didn't do that when Tabo came back. <laughs> All right. You know, like people try to make it seem like the Warriors, you know, some people said maybe the, the reporting wasn't so spot on. Some people were saying, oh, these are the Warriors being crybabies again. I looked at it as like, uh, what's wrong with crushing OKC for this? <laughs> Excuse me. When like, when does Anthony Morrow come back? I'm just right. <laughs> well, <didn't> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we didn't do a montage for Morrow. Like, all right, okay. It's just corner threes for four and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what the campaign one will be. Will it just be him dancing? <laughs> <laughs> From a D League bleachers where he'll be watching the game. <laughs> Campaign. Poor campaign, man. I wish he didn't get hurt. I thought he could do something. <sighs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? But the Bulls' remaining schedule, they might make the playoffs and you might hear don't, from them again. Don't say that. I hope, hopefully not for the sake of um, the sport we all like. Um, cool. I think this is basically it, Was We got to get get you out of here. Get Mike right. out of here. Yeah, man. Thanks for here. coming on. This was... We'll leave it there, as yes. they say on TV. Yes. Like yes. and stuff. But let's get you on here. Let's get you on here uh, again and, and yeah, soon. Man. This was fun, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Love talking to you guys. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a fan of you guys' work and what y'all do. Um, shouts to you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on and keep up the great work on the True Podcast, which uh, I listen to all the time and everybody <laughs> should. Yes. Everyone go download that, subscribe to it, rate, review it, all that good stuff that you do for yeah, our podcast. Even if you leave a bad review, that's fine, too. <laughs> that's what we say. A review is a review. you're engaged. Yes, that's right. The product, with the product. Shows you care. That's right. Was well, thanks again for coming on, bud. Have a good one. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. Bye. This has been the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>